0: Let me see the sunlight on your skin, girl. Let me see the sunlight on your skin. It's getting it hard, let's take it off. You get the beer off, on the pot, and let's feel the sunlight on our skin, girl.
1: This is the story of Jude, some of her fellow drug users, and some health professionals who work with drug users on a regular basis. Jude was one of the earliest drug user activists and has been a member of the injecting drug-using community for 40 years. A former president of Aval, the Australian peer-based drug user group, she is currently employed by Aval as a project worker. It's clear through our interactions with Jude that she is not just here to represent herself. Rather, she's sharing her story on behalf of her community in the hope that a better relationship between drug users and healthcare professionals is achievable.
2: It's part of my life and it always will be. Like, human justice will always be part of my life, no matter what um, aspect it takes on. And, and drug users aren't the only um, group of people that I, that I work with. You know, women and children, I, I, you know, I'm interested in. So it's wherever... It's, it's, it's um, discrimination. I, I'm a hunter for discrimination, a non-discriminatory, non-discriminator.
1: We first met Jude in May... She came into our office in a flourish. A notable limp didn't seem to slow her down in her excitement to explore our tiny office in an old converted flour mill. Our normal day was about to get a lot more interesting. Here Jude tells us about what a normal day might look like for her.
2: I I get up in, 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 you know, probably about, you know, 6 o'clock I wake up at 5. The, the older I get, the earlier I seem to wake up. And then I will lie in bed and think, well, I get up and do my exercises for my leg because I'm having a bit of mobility problems and decide not to go back to sleep for a little while. And then, at look, I go to work. I usually have to go to the chemist and pick up my methadone.
1: Jude is a mother, a wife, an early riser, an employee. Someone who hits snooze rather than doing some stretches that she knows will make her life easier on a cold morning. It became increasingly clear that Jude's story of heading to the GP to get her script was not a simple tale, due to the fact that Jude likes to use drugs. It was this that made the trip to the GP the perfect vehicle for this series. In the making of this series, we've also talked to some other drug users and heard a lot of stories about why people begin taking drugs in the first place. You'll hear more from these guys in later podcasts. For now, we asked Jude to share her story. You'll hear Kim, our roving reporter... It won't be the last time. How did you start taking drugs?
2: Well, I, um, I read a, a book when I was about 15 called Panic in Needle Park. And I just, well, I wrote the, an email to you last night. Like, I think it was the intensity of the way those people live that I thought, God, I want to try that. So, um, you know, I spent 18 months trying to find a shot of heroin. And as a 16-year-old in Canberra, that was hard and you, did you did you know i i got to say this respectfully i'm just i'll just say it did you know that it's kind of a, it could be a bad thing or it could be- i knew it was prescribed but i didn't know why and i didn't And even at that age, I didn't trust what I was being told. There was no reason that people would take that. And the sort of people that took it were the sort of people that I was really interested in, like poets and singers and songwriters. And and there was this real um, intellectual curiosity about it as well as, yeah, I just wanted to do it. I wanted to do it, and I knew I was going to do it.
1: Jude went on to get married and have children. Listening to Jude talk about her family life was like listening to stories from any other mother about juggling commitments in their lives. Only with slightly less F-bombs.
2: God, but it was so fucking hard, like, before methadone, like, trying to manage, um, you know, children, full-time job and a heroin habit, like, fuck me. Like, it's just so exhausting because you never know if the dope's going to be there. You never know if the dealer's going to be there. You don't know if you're going to have money that day to get it. Um, One of the kids might come home and need shoes, and they got the shoes, obviously, Mm. but fuck. It was tiring. I was just tired. So then when methadone comes along and it's something that, although it's a substitute, it just does whatever it is that heroin does. Because the first time I tried it, I just thought, oh, this is what other people feel like. This is what normal is. And then once you feel that, you're not going to give it up.
1: This concept of normal is supported by a conversation we had with Associate Professor Linda Gowing, Faculty of Medical Sciences at the University of Adelaide. She has worked closely with drug users, specifically heroin users, over many years and has been instrumental in developing a number of important strategies in this area. Professor Gowing believes that if you can get closer to a more normal day, you can do activities that are enjoyable, you can increase leisure activities, all sorts of things.
0: What we're trying to do with methadone is you're extending that that cycle of intoxication and withdrawal. So someone who's on heroin, they, um, they feel withdrawal symptoms, they use heroin and that alleviates that and they have a, a period of intoxication um, and then, then they get withdrawal symptoms again. With methadone, we're trying to stretch that time frame out so that instead of using you know, two, three, four times a day, they're only taking a single dose a day. And that means that their, their day is not so dominated by that repeated cycle of obtaining and using using the drug so that you can you, you can normalise your day a little bit more.
1: Unfortunately, we uncover that methadone alone is not the key to normalising the day for a drug user. The way that they are perceived and treated by society is a constant weight that swings the pendulum between feeling normal and feeling... Well, not entirely human. So why is there a stigma in society? I don't know. There's always been someone who hasn't been liked. OK, hold up here. You'll meet Finn properly in a later episode, but this line triggered something that we'd heard from him in one of our interviews, a bloke who suffered severe injuries from an accident that ended in a permanent physical disability.
2: Look, I have things that happen and I know that there's some form of discrimination, but I don't know which, which one it is, you know? I don't know whether it's because I'm trans or because I'm disabled. Um, some things I know it's not because of the drug use because they don't know about it.
1: Jude explains her theory. Once you start separating
2: human beings and passing them off into different sections, you start dehumanising them. And once you've dehumanised them, you can let the, you know you allow other people to treat them any way they see fit because you know they're not a person of any value.
1: Jude doesn't look like a stereotypical drug user, and I'm using air quotes. She's an attractive woman in her late 50s, articulate, and to be honest, it wasn't until about halfway through our initial meeting that I actually remembered, oh, yeah, Jude uses drugs. She explains to us the concept of passing and some of the tried and tested methods in the community used to ensure their drug use isn't the first thing people notice. It's yeah, a drug we call it
2: passing.
1: Tell me about passing.
2: Ajax and Abrillo pad, girls. You kicked yourself sparkling from head to toe. What do
1: you mean by getting sparkling?
2: Well, you know, you make sure that um, you're looking well because if you don't look well, there's assumptions that it's around your drug use.
1: Kristen explains to us that passing for him goes beyond just the GP and the pharmacist.
0: People who use drugs are under a lot of pressure to manage their lives. Like, and and part of that is not letting their, um, you know, not letting their drug use um, any way at all negatively affect any other part of their lives. That's what we sort of put a lot of work into
1: doing. Following the concept of passing and what a typical drug user looks like, the conversation fell into labelling drug use. Whether we're talking about scientific terms or personal preferences, we found there was an interesting point of difference and a question begging an answer. Well, what do you call someone who uses drugs? We hear from Finn again on how these labels can actually affect how he is treated.
2: I feel like I'm being treated as a junkie and I'm doing the quotation marks. I hate that. I like that word and I hate that word. You know, in the States, junkie originally came from, you know, people who used heroin. We call it junk. So someone who uses junk is a junkie. Um, but it gets used really derogatorily here. So, um, But, you know, I, I don't like being treated like I'm a less than person just because... I'm on Suboxone, first of all.
1: Meanwhile, Professor Gowing explains to us that the word addiction, or addict, is often used interchangeably with dependence in the research community, while substance abuse has been swapped out for substance misuse. We asked Professor Gowing if she had a preferred term and her reasoning behind this.
0: This is fantastic and I really appreciate this. Um, the one thing Jude said is that she's really uncomfortable with the term drug addict. she prefer yep. drug user or even junkie. Yep. I, I think there's a, at least in the research literature there is a little bit more of a shift towards um, it's not as it's not as neat and tidy, but um, using a phrase like people who use drugs or people who inject drugs, and I tend to I tend to prefer that sort of wording um, because it it puts the emphasis back on the fact that what you're dealing with is a person.
1: Jude, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I like a user. I'm a user. I mean, I don't want to. A pre- who wants to be a pre person who uses drugs? I mean fuck. If you have to tell people that I'm a person with you know, it's the, in the sentence, like that's just so appalling, I don't even want to go there. So I'm a user, I'm a drug user. I'm not an addict. I'm not um I'd be a junkie before I'll be an addict.
1: Brian, our resident pharmacist, who you'll meet properly a little later in the series, when questioned regarding his use of the word addict, responded... Well, it's terminology that I've grown up with. Uh, no, why I started life is
0: any, anybody who gets a prescription is a drug user. It's just that we have a... Uh a delineation of what's legal and what's illegal and what's addictive or habituating.
1: Now, while we are being quite metaphorical regarding signs in this episode, the inspiration was a physical sign that started the whole conversation and what that little plastic sign meant for drug users who encountered it before they even entered the GP's office. It's the sign that reads, in some form, no drugs or cash kept on premises. Jude provides us a brief history on the sign... She believes it's a throwback from the 80s when security was pretty loose on pharmacies, a time when it didn't take much to break into a doctor's office, which was often in the back of a house, and grab a script pad or some drugs. Eventually, they just tightened up their security. So where does this leave the sign? Is this just another way to segregate drug users from other patients?
2: But then they learnt that... that was gonna happen, so they got really good security as you would, and um, tightened the thing up so heavily that nowadays you couldn't get in if you wanted to and if you did get in there'd be nothing there. So having a sign that says no casual drugs on these premises just means that every time, you know, you go to walk in that door you think, Oh fuck they don't they don't want me here and they don't like drug users and they've judged us.
1: We explained the sign to one of our GPs, David from Darlinghurst, that it can evoke a feeling of not feeling welcome it may even be a deterrent from drug users coming into the surgery. We don't actually have that sign here, but um, that sign really isn't isn't directed at, at drug users per se. It's just directed at um, really uh, petty crime. And to be honest, I mean, in Darlinghurst, we had a, a huge amount of break-ins in the 90s. It's actually dropped off a lot now. But um, uh, I think that security issue is not... Um, is in no way directed at those patients. But I
0: understand why they might might be sensitive to those messages.
1: In this episode, we have explored what constitutes a normal day for our drug users. We've heard that their day, peppered with stereotypes and negative stigma, has the ability to not only make them feel uncomfortable in their surroundings, but often less human. This feeling means they engage in covering up or passing to ensure they blend in rather than stand out. For something that they may see as just part of who they are, or a part of their day. Finally, we saw the effect of a simple plastic sign on a GP's door, and how messages can have multiple meanings to different viewers, and for some, an interpretation that contributes to a feeling of not being accepted or welcome. Throughout this series, we're going to explore the nuances, the misunderstandings, miscommunications, and just plain old personal preferences and hope that healthcare professionals and drug users can find a common understanding, a happy place, a normal day. In the next episode, we will bravely open the door to the doctor's surgery and enter the waiting room. Here, we will explore further drug use, the role of government and media in the positioning of drug use, and ask the question, well, why are drugs seen as so bad? It's impossible to actually say for sure if there is
0: any person who has never met Um, a person who uses drugs, because, you know, illicit drug use is incredibly common in Australia. Um, And the thing is, the majority of people who use drugs are just uh, uh, um, what people would consider normal, everyday, Um, you know, not, not quite, you know, nothing extraordinary about people. They're just people trying to get by in their everyday lives, Summertime just comes around once a year, boy Summertime just comes around once a year Lift the sun is shining, don't you be inside crying Cause summertime just comes around once a year, boy